Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 WAH tokens. I'm your host, Phil, and joining me, not like normal, is no one. I am going to be uh, recording this episode alone in the darkness. Um, Davey is still busy with the pandemic, and so he will not be joining me today and is likely not going to be able to join for a few episodes now. Um, but I am hoping to be able to continue to do some solo recording and hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, do apologize for the prolonged absence. Um, I think at this point, pretty much everybody knows that things have been upended by the pandemic and um, everybody's you know in a different place and doing different things to make that all work. So um, definitely appreciate you coming back. Definitely appreciate you bearing with us being gone for so long. Um, and hopefully before too long, Davey can jump back in. Uh, to give you a little bit of context for today's episode, we are recording just after the release of Morgok's Crushes and Morgwaith's Blade Coven. Um, and we just saw the sneak preview for Season 4, Dire Chasm. Uh, I think that looks pretty cool. Um, definitely definitely some warbands that I think people will be super excited about. We're getting the Lumineth Realm Lords, obviously brand new army to Age of Sigmar, so it'll be cool to have some new models that nobody's seen anything quite like before. And then also Slanesh Mortals, which... Uh, Last Chaos God that hasn't had a warband yet, so that's definitely cool to round out the uh, Chaos Pantheon there. And then also, um, just you know, knowing that Chaos Mortals haven't had any models for, jeez, I don't even know how long it's been—probably 15 years. Um, I think I think people who like Slanesh will be champing at the bit to try and get those models into their armies. Um, so yeah, that brings us to our topic for today, and uh, starting things off here, coming back with the the big boys themselves, we're going to do Morgox Crushes today. Um, going to do a quick review of the Morgox Crushes for you, um, just going to do a rundown of the fighters, their objectives, ploys, and upgrades, giving a basic rating 1 through 5 of... Um, what I think they are, five being like an auto-include for a deck for the crushes, and uh, all the way down to one, which would be a card that I think would pretty much never see any play. Um, anything else kind of is in between, situational or generally good, but maybe is going to be edged out by some universals. Um, but before we get to covering those things, some community shout-outs. And, and given the long absence that we've had here, I just wanted to basically give a big shout out to everybody who's kept up with their content and um, even folks who've been stepping up content during the lockdown. It's been uh, great to see so much Underworld's enthusiasm and coverage continuing despite these difficult times. Um, so props to all of you. Um, really appreciate it. Um, so many podcasts, so many blogs, uh, battle reports, just great content all around. So definitely, definitely would suggest going to check them all out. And uh, as in a normal segment of what the heck's going on with you, uh, for me personally, I really, until today, basically um, 
haven't been doing a whole lot in the hobby. I'm sort of just getting everything settled recently with the pandemic and just sort of figuring out what what's life looking like, um, trying to find ways to sort of weave hobby back into that sort of renegotiation of life, but starting to get there, um, feeling better uh, generally, and um, yeah, hoping to hoping to start doing some more stuff with Underworlds, obviously recording episodes, but then also hoping to get some uh, online play with some of the locals that we are doing a, a league with before the lockdown. Um, also, just looking forward to building models and painting again. So, should be good. All right. So, into the meat of this. The big boys. The crushes. We got some brutes. And, uh, so this is the three-fighter warband. We've got Morgok, leader of the band himself. Uh, we got Ardskull, our two-handed mace-wielding brute. And he, who's got a bird skull on his head for some weird reason and thug who's got probably the uh sort of most generic name of any fighter in underworlds so give a quick rundown of what these guys are looking like uh they're all statted the same so they've all got three move one block five wounds so they are super beefy um but otherwise they're you know a little slower than average now that Beastgrave has generally introduced a lot of faster fighters into the game, and uh, with one block, they're they're not like super easy to hit, but um, they're also not you know impossible to hit either. I think I think they're going to be um, pretty middle of the road in terms of uh, you know ability to avoid getting hit, but they make up for it with those five wounds. And I think um, as you'll see later. <laughs> They have some other ways to increase their toughness, and so I think they're going to be really tanky, and I think they're going to be pretty pretty hard to bring down. Um, the other shared mechanic across all of the fighters is their inspiration mechanic. So they all have what are called wah counters, uh, and they get wah counters after an activation in which they've made any attacks. So basically, um, if you charged... At the end of that activation, you get a walk counter. If you're standing next to somebody in a swing, you get an act, a walk counter. And so um, then once you have two or more walk counters on the fighter's card, that's when they inspire. Um, and that's, that's really what binds all three of these fighters together. So they're all tough. They're all trying to hit stuff to get those walk counters. Feels very orky. Feels very appropriate for the brutes. Um, to dive into the individual fighters and what makes them all unique, so Morgok is the leader, obviously. He's got a weapon profile of range 1, 2 smash, 3 damage. So he's coming in, hitting like a truck. Um, I think anybody's going to want to stay far away from him at the early parts of the game. He's, he's definitely scary without any sort of upgrades, so um, you definitely don't want to tangle with him early on. Um, and then he has an action where he can remove a walk counter, and after he does so, he can push each friendly fighter up to two hexes. Um, so obviously there's a little bit of a give and take there because those walk counters are needed to get you inspired, 
But because of that three speed, I think there's going to be situations where you know, hey, if I can push my whole warband two hexes, um, I'm suddenly going to be in a much better position. Whether that's because it allows me to play defensively and sort of pull back, or if it allows me to push forward and really get after my opponent, um, I think I think that's going to be pretty cool. The only downside, I mean, it is it is an action, and with only three fighters, you are not necessarily wanting to have to spend actions on just moving fighters, but you know, sometimes you have to because you're slow. Um, and then, of course, the other given you know thing to consider there is uh, there are some other cards that use these wall counters as well. Um, we'll cover those in a little while, but but basically, there there may be better usages of these wall counters than to get a move. But I think having that flexibility is still going to be really good. Um, once he's inspired, and actually I should have said this earlier, but once they any of them inspire, they go up to four move. So definitely a, a big bonus from uh, getting inspired because going from three to four move is going to be super helpful. Um, but otherwise, their base stats stay the same. Um, for Morgok specifically, he goes from two smash to three swords, or three fury, I guess. Um, and so, it, you know, it's a very small accuracy bonus on the actual attack profile. Um, but, you know, take what you can get, I guess. But he also gets the ability to reroll one attack dice in the attack roll for his boss choppas, which is his base attack. So um, he, you know, well, the actual attacks accuracy didn't increase a ton, getting that reroll does make a pretty big difference. So I think, I think once he gets inspired, he's going to be pretty scary. Um, he's going to be hitting more often than not. Going on to Ardskull, um, so he's also a big hitter. So his Gorbasha, which is his two-handed mace, he's swinging, unfortunately, range one, two fury. Not, not particularly accurate there, but he is hitting for three damage. So he does still put a, you know, pretty big hurt on people. So if you have a way to give him more accuracy, this guy's going to be able to clean up early in the game as well, just like Morgok. So um, I, think, I think people are not going to like having to deal with that early on. They're probably going to want to stay away from these guys. Um, and then once he inspires, he, uh, similar to Morgok, he gains an extra attack dice. So he goes up to three fury instead of two. Um, he also gains a scything attack, frenzied whirl, which is, uh, again, two fury. So still not super accurate, but since you are attacking a whole bunch of different, um, fighters potentially that could still balance out and it's for two damage. So it's, uh, it's pretty decent. Um, it'll be situational, but I think I think still gonna be able to find some use there. Um, the other ability that he gains on the Gorbasha, so on the single target attack, he can't do this on the Frenzied Whirl. Um, when you're going to make the attack, before you make the attack roll, you can remove any number of Wa counters. And for each one that you remove, you can add one damage to the attack. So, <laughs> Basically, you can very quickly move this guy from three to, you know, five damage to suddenly clobber just about anybody. Um, and I think having that, that ability to just sort of stash extra damage to use when you need it is probably going to be pretty strong. 
Um, I think I think warbands like you know any of the um, Stormcast or um, or Hrothgorn or um, you know any of the big solid warbands aren't gonna like that. They're they're not gonna like somebody who's just stomping around able to one shot you. So I think I think he's gonna be solid. Um, and I kind of like how he then um, plays off of Thug. So Thug is much more accurate than um, Ardskull. He starts out with his smashes at three fury for only two damage. So, well, I say only, but <laughs> um, two damage is pretty average. Two damage is nothing to sneeze at, but he's, uh, he's a bit more accurate, um, obviously. And uh, so that's going to be nice when you're fighting those swarm warbands where you just need to get those hits. You don't really care about how hard you're hitting, you just need to get those hits out there. Um, once he inspires, nothing changes about the smash's attack in and of itself, but he does gain a similar ability to Ard Skull, where you can, again, remove wall counters before you make the attack roll, and for every counter you remove, he gets plus one dice to the attack. So he's not hitting as hard, but he's basically never going to miss if you if you need him to hit, um, which I think is going to be super great. Um, it kind of means these two play off of each other really well because Ardskull is going to be the guy who goes and hits really hard, and his weakness is that he's not as accurate, so you're going to buff him up to make him more accurate. On the flip side, Thug... He, he can hit just about anything, but he doesn't hit super hard, so you're going to put you know, your, your great strength, you're going to put your Sting of the Urgrub on him, and suddenly he's going to be super, super accurate, swinging at three or four damage. And that's the fighters. So, you know, you got, you got three guys who are all pretty tough, who can all hit pretty hard. Um, they're sort of the, the definition of an elite warband, um, and I think, I think they're definitely going to want to be able to put the hurt on people which is great because, you know, that's what orcs are supposed to do. They want to wah. All right. So continuing on, we will take a quick look at the objectives. And uh, so again, reminder, we're doing a one to five scale here. I'll give a just the quick number and then uh, just a few sentences as to why I think that. Um, and feel free to call me out if you think I am way off base. All right. So we'll kick things off with Got It Boss. Now, uh, after having just read through all those fighters, you might have thought, oh, these guys are going to be great in aggro, and I would totally agree with you. Uh, interesting thing here, though, is this first <laughs> objective card is a surge that is a score immediately that uh, you get after an activation if your warband holds one or more objectives in enemy territory. Uh that seems really easy and really good. Um, obviously, this can synergize with an aggro warband because you're probably going to be wanting to move forward on your opponent anyway. But um, passive glory is just super great. So definitely going to give this one a five. I'd say pretty much always take it. I, I can't see a reason not to. It feels like free glory. Next one is now what? Again, we have a surge for holding objectives in a warband that seems to be really good at bashing people in the head. Um, this one is a little different, though. You need to be holding two or more objectives after an activation to score one glory. But that's still really good. Um, obviously, we know 
That temporary victory is super strong for holding three after an activation to get two. So this is even easier. You can guarantee that you can do this because you'll always have at least two objectives in your half of the board. Um, and so again, I'd say five, always take this. Like I, I, I can't really see a reason not to um, unless you really wanted to just go pure aggro. I don't want to stand on objectives ever. Um, but you know, everybody needs that early glory to be able to get rolling. So I don't know. I I'd say you're, you're probably, <laughs> you're probably going to be taking some whole objective tech with these guys. Next one is Oruk Cunnan. So there's another surge. You're going to score this immediately when you play your third or subsequent gambit. Um, so I think that's, that's solid. I'm, I'm leaning towards a four maybe even down to a three. I don't think this is an auto include, obviously, but um, it's, it's again, it's that easy glory. It's a surge, so you can score it quickly. Um, if you include any of the draw cards tech, like uh, Frenzied Search or um, anything like that, the likelihood of being able to get off three gambits in a round is actually pretty straightforward. And, and I think that if, you know, if you know you're going to need to rely on cards, why not, right? So again, um, some easy options, gets that glory train started, get some of those objectives out there for you. Next one is Might of the Auric. Uh This is a, another surge. There's sort of a pattern here of which ones I'm thinking are pretty strong. Um, so this is a score immediately if you make an attack action with a damage characteristic of four or more. Uh, Obviously, when you've got two fighters that start at three damage, this is probably not going to be terribly hard. That's one upgrade and then get a hit. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Um, also, you know, with those wah counters on Ardskull, um, you can uh, you can use the counters. You don't even need upgrades. So again, I think this is going to be a good one. This one actually fits more in with their aggro tendencies. So I, I like that. I think. Um, reinforcing that playstyle for these guys feels right. Um, they're gonna just go and hit some people. And then uh, we got Prapa Rumble, which is score this in an end phase if four or more fighters are out of action and or have wound tokens. So now this is, since it's just any fighters, um, I think this one's probably at like three. If you're going really hard into aggro, I think this kind of makes sense. Your guys are probably gonna take some hits. You're gonna deal out some damage. Um, I think this, this is again, you know, it synergizes with an overall strategy for aggro. It's giving you some glory, just one, for doing what you probably already wanted to be doing anyway. So I don't think it's an auto-include, but I think it's strong. I think there's plenty of room to use this. Um, we'll see how it ends up getting used. I, I think um, it really sort of depends on how aggressive you wanted to be with these guys, but it feels all right to me. And then Brutes is the best. So score this in an end phase if your leader is the only surviving leader. So um, I'm going to say three on this one. Um, definitely not an auto include. One, one glory for getting a leader dead at some point before you drew this, though, and having your leader surviving isn't that hard, I don't think, for this warband. Morgok, although he's like your best fighter, He's still got five wounds and he's pretty tough and you can make him tougher with some cards. So I think keeping him alive won't be impossible. And because there's no 
in this phase requirement for this, you could like wipe out somebody's leader early on and then just draw into this and have free glory. So I think I think that this is decent. Um, I think there might be some better generic options, but if you're gonna try and just include more in faction cards, I think this is a strong choice, um, but not an auto include. Now we start getting into some of the stuff that's a little less great. So we got called to the wah, um, this is a surge that you score immediately after an activation if there are six or more wah counters on all friendly fighters. Um, so that's basically having enough wah counters to have all of your fighters inspired and not have spent any of them on doing anything in the interim. I, I just, I don't see that being super likely unless you really want to build into this and you only get one glory for it. So I'm sitting somewhere between like a three or a two, I think more often than not, this will get edged out by a universal. Um, and then kind of go along with this, you got Wa Unleashed. It's, a, it's an end phase for removing four more Wa counters in a phase for one glory. So you could kind of build these together to play off of the Wa counter mechanic where you stack up a whole bunch and then burn them all down right away in one turn and score both of these. But that's assuming that you were able to just sort of wait until you had these in your hand to spend those wall counters. And I feel like really they're a resource that you probably should be using whenever you need to rather than waiting to use them to score these cards. So th this one's again, it's sort of like a three, two, somewhere in there. It's it's not terrible, but um, definitely not an auto include probably going to get overshadowed by some other universal stuff. And then sort of the last one to go along with these wall counter things, I've got in their element, um, which is a, another end phase, which you score for having all your fighters inspired. Um, and it's only for one glory. So I don't, I don't understand cards like this because you've got fired up. Like it, it's basically the same thing but you only need one fighter to be inspired. Whereas this is have all your fighters to be inspired. And so like like I said, you can kind of build this with these other ones where you're gonna build off this wah mechanic because when you get all the those wah counters, that's what inspires your fighters. So you get them all inspired. You can you know score this for being all inspired and then also having the wah counters and then spend the wah counters. But I, I generally don't see the trade-off. If this was for two glory, maybe but at one i just i don't see it i think you're gonna find better stuff elsewhere that's a two in my book um good days work is the next one and that is another end phase for having more enemy fighters out of action than surviving enemy fighters which is just to say you need to kill slightly over half of your opponent's warband um, this is for two glory so there is a slight higher payoff for doing this but generally speaking killing half of someone's warband is not an easy task even for guys as tough and as you know as wanting to fight as these guys um my my gut feel is this is a two um there's easier and better ways to get glory but um you know if you know your meta is really easy squishy guys that you can definitely clean up um yeah i guess um, I mean, on the flip side, I guess if you're fighting other elite warbands, you only have to kill two of them, but I feel like killing two of an elite warband is sometimes harder than killing three or four of a, uh, 
more middle-of-the-road warband. Uh, then we've got Avalanche of Aggression, which is another end phase one, where if there are more surviving friendly fighters than enemy fighters, you can score one glory. I think this is going to be really hard to score. This is a two in my book. Um, I think if you really, really wanted to lean into the aggro, maybe you could pull this off. Um, and of course, in elite on elite matchups, this could mean just kill one fighter and then you get this in the end phase, which is not terrible. But again, you know, killing elite fighters tends to be more difficult. So, you know, on the flip side, you know, the numbers are lower, but they're also not as easy to kill. And for only one glory, I just see this being overshadowed. Then finally, they've got Brute Triumph, which is just a reprint of Annihilation. Have all the enemy fighters out of action in the third end phase. Well, in any end phase, really, but like, when's that going to happen before the third end phase? And you get your five glory. Um, it's a one in my book. Um, nobody really runs Annihilation. Um, you could bring it to surprise somebody. Um, but generally speaking, you're going to have better choices and the likelihood of actually being able to wipe out your opponent in the modern game, I think is just pretty much impossible or it's, it's at the very least, it's very unlikely and you probably already won the game at that point. So why, why bring this, you know, win more card when you could have had something that's going to help you earlier on build that glory train to get those upgrades out to make your life easier. So that's all the objectives. We had four objectives, Got It Boss, Now What, Auric Cunnan, and Might of the Auric, all surges that I thought were very strong that you could include in pretty much any uh, deck for these guys. Um, and two of them are about holding objectives. So um, kind, of, kind of suggests that if you were going to run these guys, they already have some tech to suggest leaning into flex rather than pure aggro, despite the fact that... Uh, their fighter cards would maybe suggest that they really want to just fight everybody. All right, and moving on to ploys. So we got Berserk Fortitude. This one is solid gold, in my opinion. Um, this is a reaction where during an attack action that targets a friendly fighter before the damage step, you can remove any number of walk counters, and for each one removed, you reduce the damage by one. So there's a couple great things, in my opinion, about this card. Um, one, since it's a reaction, you can use it only when you need to. Um, I think having defensive tech that's telegraphed before an attack is often not as helpful because generally in those cases, people will not waste their time. Um, and along those same lines, then you can actually sort of bank on this and use it as a um, disrupt to when people have like played a bunch of cards to build up their attack. And then you're like, yeah, and I'm going to just reduce the damage by two. And basically you're going to do nothing. Um, now, of course, you do have to have those wall counters stored up. But I think I think you'll generally have one or two on their fighter cards unless you just went ham and spent them all. Um and and so you'd sort of know when you need to have this ready to go or not, I think. Um, but but generally speaking, survivability is a good thing. Um, it it it's definitely going to throw a wrench in your opponent's plans. So saying a five on this one, I I can't imagine leaving home without it. And then similar to this to that one, we've got Berserk Strength, uh, also a reaction before you make your attack. 
you can remove any number of wall counters to give plus one damage per wall counter. So this is exactly the same as the ability on Ard Skull when he's inspired. Already talked about how I think that's pretty good. Um, and so being able to put this in your deck to use when you need it to get a surprise damage boost for any of your fighters, I think is going to be pretty strong. Um, and I think this this especially helps Thug, because um, like we said, we need he needs that extra damage. So maybe if you don't need the accuracy boosts, if you're if you're dealing with people who are um, generally not too hard to hit, you can just take a damage boost with those walk counters on him instead. And I mean, Morgok, any of them could really benefit from this. But yeah, another five in my book. Brutal Attack is the next one, and it is uh, another uh, nice attack boost as a ploy. So you get plus one dice on the next attack made by a friendly fighter in the next activation, which, you know, pretty standard. That's okay. Um, but in addition, after your attack action, you can also then place a walk counter on that fighter's card. This is amazing. This is a five in my book. This is not only going to make it easier for you to hit people, which is something you're going to want to do anyway, but it basically is saying whichever of your fighters makes this attack, if you're playing it in the early game, they're going to get inspired because they're getting the one walk counter from the card and one from just making the attack, which is great. A ploy that just inspires a fighter is always good, um, but a ploy that gives you an accuracy boost and inspires you seems even better. Then we've got Brutal Cunning. Um, th this is pretty much just a reprint of the Iron Skulls card um, where uh, it's, it's a reaction where after a move, you can then make an attack action. As long as that move was not part of a super action, I think that's just clarification in the newer card to just be like, oh, could I use this to move as part of my charge, make an attack, and then make the attack from the charge? And they're just shutting that down. So... Um, this is obviously good because being able to move and then make attacks means you don't have to have a charge token and not having charge tokens is always preferable to having charge tokens. So another five in my book, you're just some really, really strong ploys here. And we've got brutal reprisal, another reaction ploy here. This is that uh, after and or during an attack action that targets a friendly fighter and succeeds before the drive back step. The fighter cannot be driven back, and then they can make an attack action that must target the attacker. I think this is a really good one too. Um, I'm on the fence between five and four. I don't know that you always take this. Um, I think it, depending on how you know your meta is, um, this, this is gonna have more or less use. Um, the reason I say that is because all of your fighters have reach one, which means that you only ever get use out of this card if they're being attacked by fighters adjacent to them. So obviously you're going to ruin some Warband's days that that's all they do when they're fighting. Um, but against anybody who wants to just sit back and shoot you, you basically can't use this card unless you wanted to bring like some upgrades that give you range. So while I think it's really good, and I think there's plenty of room for it, I don't think it's an auto-include. Um, and then, then we got Eager Advance, which I <laughs> this is just funny to me because we know Sidestep is really good, and, and this is a essentially a Sidestep clone. It's just a ploy to choose a friendly fighter and push them one hex, but then after you do so, you get to put a walk counter on them. Um, I would take a Sidestep clone 
most likely with a slow warband anyway, but a, a sidestep clone that then also gives me a wah counter is just guaranteed to be something I'm going to use. Extra movement is useful in all situations, but those wah counters give you all sorts of different effects. Um, so this this is going to have some very strong strategic play where you could use it to say give Morgok a wah counter so that you could then push all the rest of your warband up on his action or you could give it to thug to suddenly be able to have an attack that's very accurate or you could use it to inspire a fighter off of a push if they've already made an attack you know there's so much flexibility in this card i just can't imagine anybody not wanting to use it so again a five on this one um and then we start getting into the cards that are not as strong. So we've got Cunning Brutality. This is a reaction where after a friendly fighter's attack action, but not during a super action. So that's essentially saying not during scything. Um, you can then push this fighter up to three hexes. It can be useful. It can definitely be a, a nice combo if you have both the brutal... Uh, brutal cunning <laughs> and cunning brutality. You you mix them both together, and you could have a, a nice little combo there. Um, or if you just want to be able to jump in, hit somebody, then push away to grab an objective or to block an objective, or you know, there's plenty of uses for it. I'd put it probably at a four, maybe a three. Um, it sort of depends on what else you're looking to do in the deck. But I think there's plenty of use for it, so could certainly see it getting used. Um, <laughs> un unlike that one, though, seeing it get used, brawling is one that I, I, I don't think I would see getting used much at all. Um, so this is choose a friendly fighter that's adjacent to one or more enemy fighters and place a wall counter on that fighter's card. I mean, walk counters are good. You do need them. Um, it's a potential inspire. It it's a potential, you know, extra push. It's a potential extra damage or accuracy. Like it has its uses. Um, but just a walk counter without anything else, I think maybe and having to be adjacent to somebody to get it. Um, I think you're gonna have better choices. You know, um, ploys are always a tough thing to find space for. Um, and so I think I think this is just going to get edged out. I think more often than not, this is somewhere in like the two range. This is like very situational. And and similar to that, we got Wah Energy. So this is a ploy where you roll a magic dice for each of your surviving friendly fighters. And on a roll of a lightning bolt, you can place one Wah counter on that fighter's card. So you have a 50-50 shot of giving a Wah counter to each of your fighters. So on average, you're going to get one and a half. So if we wanted to be generous, you could say that this card will on average give you two. But I think to be more realistic, you'd have to say that on average, this is giving you one walk counter. Um, and and so again, similar to that one, uh, it's like a two, I think. Um, there's some uses for it, especially if you're trying to like play hard into the walk counter thing. But um, overall, I, I just don't see that getting used a whole ton. And then the last one here, we got Power of the Wah. Um, kind of would be nice if it really was just a healing potion clone, but instead it is choose a friendly fighter and roll a magic, roll two magic dice for them. 
and for each roll of a swirl you can heal one so you have the potential to heal two which could be super annoying but um swirls are only a third of the results on a magic die so um on average on two dice you're you know maybe getting one so i i would say i would say keep that one at home that one's that one's living in one land for me personally but maybe you think different and we've come to the end we've come to the upgrades so their upgrade slots i will just say right off the bat are definitely the weak point of their faction specific cards in my opinion um so that 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 is you know a bit unfortunate but they've had so many good ploys and they've had a number of good objectives that i think it balances out um just as a quick recap like i did with the objectives they have uh you know what is this uh six ploys that i think are almost automatic takes you've got berserk fortitude berserk strength brutal attack brutal cannon brutal reprisal and eager advance they all seem really good um so yeah they're they're stacked in the ploys and they've got some pretty solid objectives too so not having a ton of super great upgrades is you know it's not the end of the world you got some strong upgrades in the um universals however they do have one that i think is super super strong and that is inured to pain so so this is a card that we've seen in a number of other warbands um, and it's just the, uh, when this fighter is dealt damage, reduce the damage by one to a minimum of one. Yeah, no restrictions or anything. You can just put that on whichever one of your fighters that you've decided needs to live this game, and they probably will, because with five wounds and reducing damage by one, it's going to be super hard to break, take them down. Um, like, I... I don't know why they would put that in there. I think it's it's probably going to be too good. Maybe um, I would always take it. I would I would never not take it. Um, we already know how obnoxious it was on Hrothgorn to have that, and he's six wounds. Um, so it's not that much different to see that on one of these brutes. But that's that's pretty much I think it for the fives in their objective or their upgrades. Um, up next we got Keen Choppa. This is restricted to Morgok, and it gives his range one attacks cleave. Um, you know, like cleave can be useful, but I think there's there's enough warbands now in the game that are using dodge, and there's enough um, like better options to give you accuracy increases that I think you leave this one at home. Um, restricted up upgrades just generally aren't as strong, and um, you know that just getting cleave on your range one attacks means you can't even like gain the bonus from reach or anything like that so i'd probably put it at a three it has some use if you know your meta is like stacked with guys with block but um i think more often than not you would not take that then we got brute charge brute charge is just an accuracy boost um so it makes it so that rolls of hammers and swords are both successes on this fighter's range one attacks when they're charging. So while getting an accuracy boost is okay, only having it on the charge is less great. Um, and obviously um, most of your fighters are already pretty accurate, so I just don't know that you really need this. And if you're going to add accuracy, I'm not sure that this is the best way to do it. I think you've got some other options in 
other up universal upgrades that would potentially fill that niche better. So I'd put this in two or three, it sort of depends. If you're really worried about not hitting, go, go ahead, stack that up. Then we've got Seething Hatred, another restricted one. This is restricted to Thug. Um, this allows him to reroll any number of attack dice in the attack roll when he's attacking a fighter with four or more wounds. I, I don't know why why they made this for Thug. Um, Thug's already your accurate fighter, so making him more accurate is just not really necessary. And then only getting that accuracy boost on bigger fighters makes it really not that appealing to me. Um, again, if you're super worried about accuracy, maybe you take it, but generally I put this at like a two or even a one, maybe as a like guaranteed never take, but I think maybe you could see it, so we'll say two. We've got another another restricted one here. We got Vessel of the Wa. This is this is one that's restricted to Ard Skull. Um, and and I'm not I'm not entirely sure what I think of this one just by reading it. On paper, I'm leaning towards a two or a three. Um, it's an upgrade that gives an an, an action, and that action is that you then get to place a Wa counter on the fighter card of each friendly fighter within two hexes. So if you're leaning really heavily into the wa counter mechanic and you're trying to score off of having wa counters and you just need more wa counters, I think there is room for this. However, I think generally speaking, you would rather be adding things that make you harder to kill or makes it easier for you to kill or that are just going to give you glory straight up. Um, upgrades that lead to scoring objectives are probably not as efficient as upgrades that just give you glory in and of themselves. So, while I can see some use for Vessel of the Wa, and maybe in practice it's better than I'm thinking that it is, but on first blush, I would say probably not great. And then, uh, similar to that, we've got Vengeful Glare, um, and there's another one that I think it, it feels situational maybe could be good but on first blush I'm, I'm not I'm not sold um, so this is a reaction after an attack action that targeted this fighter you can place one wa counter on the fighters card um, so obviously this could be useful in that you then have a better you know counter punch this could end up meaning your fighter gets inspired um, and of, of course, if you're trying to do those scoring off of walk counter thing, you, you could use this as a way to just juice more walk counters. Um, but generally, I think I put this one again, like a two, maybe a three. Um, it might have its uses, but overall, not super solid. Then we got another restricted one. We got restricted to Morgok again, and this is Incredible Bellow. This gives him another action where he can pick one thing. He can either push all adjacent enemy fighters up to two hexes, or he can push all other fighters, friendly fighters, up to one hex. So this is similar to his action with the wall counter um, for being able to push friendly fighters around, which is, you know, that's pretty decent, getting extra mobility. Um, but it is all other friendly fighters, so he's not going to be able to push himself with that action. So getting a, a one push on two fighters, I mean, that's strong, but is it worth the action? Um, I don't know. Is it worth one twelfth of your game? Uh, sort of hard to say. I, I think, again, it's sort of like there could be a use for this one, 
but on paper I'm not I'm not sold. So I'd say two or three. Um, maybe try it out. Maybe not. Seems okay, but not sold. And then we got the Wah Edbutt, their first uh, weapon upgrade. Um, so this is a range one, two smash, two damage weapon upgrade that has the um, Ard Skull ability uh, built into it. So obviously this is never going on Ard Skull. It just doesn't really make sense. Um, and and so Morgok is already better than the two smash, two damage. Um, and so removing Wah counters to like make Wah Edbutt as good as his base attack just doesn't seem worthwhile to me and then um you know thug I, I guess thug could maybe see some use from this but i think just giving him plus one damage is probably a better choice or um so so generally i see this one as a two maybe you can find a spot for it but mm, it seems like there's always going to be better universals that you'd rather take and then we get down to the last two, which I think are just binners. You just never, no, don't don't run these. Um, so you got Brute Swing. This fighter's range one and range two attack actions have knockback one. Um, I don't think I've ever really seen anybody play knockback unless it's very situational and it's built into the fighter already. So on an upgrade, I'd say that's pretty much never going to get used. And then Berserk Whirl. Now this is a interesting one, um, and I like I like the mental image here, but I think in practice it's probably just not very good. Um, so it's restricted to Ard Skull. So again, that you know restricted upgrades are never as good as ones that can go on anybody. And then the ability that it actually has is not super strong. So it's a reaction. And after this fighter's activation, you can scatter two from that fighter's hex and push them one hex along that chain. And if you can't push the fighter into an empty hex, nothing happens. So essentially, this is just saying, after you, after you do something, you can take a reaction to push randomly one hex. Um, theoretically, you could use this as a way to sort of juice um, Ard Skull to to maneuver him a little bit more because it does let you push after an activation, not specifically after an attack or anything like that. Um, but it's random pushes and like, I, I just feel like there's better options. Like you, you could definitely find other, if you really need the movement tech, you could, you could still build in movement tech. You just use something that's more reliable and could go on anybody. So that's my takes on all of the universal cards from Morgox Crushers and the Fighters. Um, I think I think they've got some really strong stuff. I think that they, as fighters, look quite good. Um, I definitely am excited to give them a try. Um, my, my inclination for their play style, um, I think sort of the obvious choice is to just throw them into hard aggro and just let them smash heads and get bashing and they'd be super happy with that um and i think they could perform quite well as a pure aggro warband um but as we mentioned earlier when we were going through the objectives i think they could pretty easily flex as well if you wanted to you could do a objective aggro flex pretty easily um and and i <laughs> it seems counterintuitive and it seems against their design 
but I think you could also probably play them very passively, play them either as a pure hold objectives or as a control that is able to take advantage of those easy hold objective uh, objectives to get some early glory and then just sort of sit around stacking objectives and or upgrades that give glory um, and wait for the opponent to have to come to them because if they don't, they're just going to keep stacking up passive glory. So um, depending on your take on the game and how you feel about that kind of play style, that may or may not make you feel better or worse about these guys. But um, I think I think generally people aren't going to want to play them that way. Um, I think it might be strong, and we'll see what happens, but um, just knowing that they're orcs and <laughs> that orcs love Bastion, um, I think more people that play them will be drawn to the aggro playstyles, and I think um, you'll definitely get to see some cool orcs just charging at you, um, smashing some heads. So quick, quick strengths and weaknesses. Um, I think strengths, they're very survivable. I think they can hit really hard um, and I think they have a really cool very flexible mechanic um, in the wall counters so I think I think they definitely have a lot going for them there um, I think in terms of weaknesses I think they're slow um, but of course you can offset that with build so you you could build a deck that will take that weakness sort of out but by nature they are a little bit slow um, which is always a problem now in the much faster world of Beastgrave, where more fighters have move four and five and can just sort of hang back away from you when you can't charge them. Um, and then I also, I'm not, I'm not sold that it's a weakness, but I do think that that one block on defense will surprise people as to how quickly they can get burned down. Um, so I know that's a little counterintuitive because I just said their survivability is a strength, but I think um, I think because of how easy they'll be to hit in certain situations that it may end up actually being a weakness in that people think that they're basically untouchable and then find out that if they overextend, they could very easily get uh, taken out. And with only three fighters, you don't want any of them going down too early. So... Um, definitely something to keep in mind, in my opinion. And so that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Um, first solo episode, let us know what you think. Um, you can reach us at WTHCast on Twitter or at WhatTheHexCast at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening. I've been Phil. Um, coming up next, hopefully... I'll get a recording for the uh, Blade Coven here, and then we'll have both the new warbands with a uh, with a review, and uh, hopefully should see that in a couple of weeks. And uh, some recommended listening for you for this episode is going to be LL Cool J's "Mama Said Knock You Out."